Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Um, we got some things to discuss today, some interesting stuff. Lots of games last night. Um, but we're going to start with baseball, Russ, I think, for our pre-show. And um, I would like to congratulate the numerous baseball writers uh, that cover Major League Baseball because they made the right decision yesterday. No, I think they made the right decision on some guys. I think they're continuing to make the wrong decision. And what I'll say and give you a snippet of an article to come from me is the system's broken. They need to fix it. The fact that guys can fall off after one year of eligibility is a joke. I agree. And so the reason you got all these empty ballots is because they looked at who was on the ballot and didn't find anybody. Like the guys I brought up yesterday – I don't think any of them are on the ballot. I think they're all already into the, you know, well, I'll, group of veterans committee. Now they apparently, okay. They have to get over, I think it's 10% to stay on the list. Right now. And I'll just read so off as an example. Bernie Williams did not. Right. Yeah. But he, I don't think he's been on for a few years. No, no. He fell off the first year. He's never yeah. been, he's not allowed on ever again until right. the veterans. Right. I, I, I don't like that, but Okay. Here is where I am very pleased um, because apparently the percentages from the previous year to this year went down for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Right. Which, and this is their ninth year of eligibility, so next year will be the last year that they're eligible. And based on the fact that their percentage went down this year, usually guys whose percentages yeah, keep don't fall for that. And the reason I say that is well, I've already started to hear stupidity out of uh, and I think Rosenthal brought it up, and I and I listen. I like Ken Rosenthal. I think he's very level-headed and he's great. But he did mention the fact that possibly because it's year ten, there are going to be certain writers that say, "Well, we've made you suffer long enough. No. Now we'll put you in." And you, you might, you can't tell me that's not going to happen. It may, it may happen, but I don't think it's going to happen to the point that fifteen percent. And if it does, I will destroy the writers who change their minds because they're they're a bunch they're a bunch of friggin hacks if they do yeah. that these guys do not deserve to be in the, in the baseball hall of fame because they cheated and i say the same thing about a rod and i say the same thing about david ortiz and yeah. both of them come come on the list next year they should not you know now those guys will be on there for 10 years and i've heard people say well you know that ortiz is going to get in because he's so well loved i mean well we'll see i mean that that is a prevailing thought but until it's put to paper we don't know um, the fact that a paper ballot makes no sense to me because unless they just did that for show on MLB network, uh, the fact that it was a paper ballot made no sense to me. But the focus yesterday was on Kurt Schilling yeah. and talk about well, showing one more thing. Cause we have a lot to say about Schilling. Stop with the Pete Rose thing. If you ever cover a game, you will see the minute you walk into a locker room, it is illegal to bet on the sport if now, you're in the sport. And it always happened with expulsion. There were never any – I mean, again, Shoeless Joe was the perfect example. He is never getting in, and we're not even sure if he fully understood what was going on because he was illiterate. But guess what? Now, now I – you know, being, some, being somebody who is always fascinated by the Black Sox scandal – I I believe Shoeless Joe Jackson should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I, I think Rose should be in. No, I don't. Um, but it, it's never it's never going to happen because of what you said. They strictly you know, always, yes, but that is the number one thing to the worst thing you could do in baseball is what Pete Rose did. The mm -hmm. second worst thing is the continuous use of steroids. Right now, um, Schilling, he's a jerk. He's a world-class jerk, but that's not something new. He's been a jerk for most of his baseball career, and everybody knew about it. But because he was a really great pitcher, people overlooked it. Now he's not a pitcher anymore. Now he's a retired baseball player. He's, you know, I mean, I, I don't care what his politics are, um, but, you know, and because I'm sure that there was somebody on the other side of the spectrum that was saying the things that he was saying, I would have just as much of a problem as I would with Schilling. But talk about melodrama. After he misses by, I think, 16 votes, he goes out and says, 
Take my name off the list. I don't care what you ink stained wretches say about me. I'm going to, you know, I, I want to go to the Veterans Committee where the opinion of people who matter. Shut up. Well, here's two things. Baby. He is a baby. Two things. So the first one is um, I'm not going to even say everything I think about him because I don't want him to sue the show. I will go back and tell people to watch Ken Rosenthal yesterday who said he's known him his entire career when he started with Baltimore, and this is not the same guy. He basically oh. said it like that. And so that is a very honest take and a very true take because I did an interview showing about 15 years ago, and he was not like this. Uh, he wasn't always against the steroid guys, which he did say yesterday. So that part is he has stayed with. But the rest, if you want to go see his tweets, you'll see why he's not in. And it has nothing to do with just politics. It has lot there's a lot more in there so if you want to go look at that go look at that it started going it started going downhill after his career is over with when he got involved in some video game company that went belly up right in rhode island he got a grant or something for a video right. game company and it went belly up and again that caused some bad feelings but that wouldn't be enough to keep him out of the hall the other stuff is because again it is in the charter they read the charter yesterday Character is a part of it. Now, if you want to say Ty Cobb is in there because of whatever, whatever, it was a different day. We didn't vote him in. Right. He voted in in 1935. And, yeah, he was a world-class idiot. But that was 1935 the way the world was. We can't hey, do anything about that. Orenthal James Simpson is still in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't know they took his bust out. Well, they may have taken his bust out, but he's still in the Hall yeah. of Fame. Yeah. And he's still on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame at the stadium. So, but let me, let me just go through quick and then we'll start. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the three big ones we, we already mentioned. Scott Rowland is at 52%. Omar Vizcal, 49%. He has no chance of ever making it now after these domestic violence accusations. That yeah, I want to say something about Rowland because the push for Rowland – was, well, he's only the fourth third baseman with 300 homers and 100 steals. Okay, when is that a benchmark for anything? Yeah, I, I don't think it is. Third baseman, I don't have a third baseman. I don't I don't draft a third baseman because I hope he can steal a lot of bases. I mean, he, was nope. a really, he was a really good player in his day. He was really a good, good player, right? Good player, yeah. He, he was a tremendous fielder. Everybody knows Scott Rowland was one of the best fielders of yeah. his generation. But he was and never considered – he was never considered the best third baseman no. at his time. You know, oh. my, my my argument for guys like Mattingly and guys like Hernandez is that they were the best at their position for a significant block of time. I've seen a lot of Roland. My my take on Roland is he's only a slightly better run producer than a guy like Greg Nettles, who was yeah. also the same kind of fielder. Yes. So uh, why, you know why am I putting him in? Come on. Yeah, no, no, Vizcal, like I said, I don't think he's got a chance. I'm a little surprised that Billy Wagner, and maybe, maybe you I'm know, not. you have to you have to tell me this because it's it's t like I'm used to players who sort of I grew up watching getting in, but now we're talking about guys who, as an adult, that I would watch, you know, and as somebody who plays stratomatic baseball, that I, I I would see the cards of for 15 years, and it's like okay, it's tough to imagine. It's not tough to imagine Derek Jeter being in the Baseball Hall of Fame because Derek Jeter was, you know, the best player on the team that won four World Series, had 3,000 hits. But, you know, I always liked Billy Wagner. He was a dominant closer with Houston. He was pretty good with the, with the Mets. But never, I never put him in the Hall of Fame category. But No, I, I didn't either. But I'll, I'll tell you, I know the. it looks like the chat room has suspicions about Wagner. I don't have those suspicions. Uh, what I do have is – the fact that the most meaningless stat in baseball is the save. And you have to have so many of them, like Trevor Hoffman, to actually get in because otherwise it's a garbage stat. You could go three innings and get a save, and it doesn't affect the game. You just finished out three innings and you got a save. Like, yeah. it's, hold on. And if you just, again, I'm bringing you in for two outs. Yep. Men are on base. Yes, they could be tying runs, whatever. The guy before him may have gone two innings to keep the board clean. Yeah. You're keeping two outs clean, and you're getting all the glory. 
a Bruce a Bruce Suter Goose Gossage save is not, the, is not the same as a Jonathan Papelbon save because it was right. three outs. So, uh, but just a couple names here that I think have a chance. But you know, like I would say, he, this guy would have had no chance a few years ago. But not Larry Walker's in. I think Todd Helton might have a chance eventually. I think he's got a little bit of a chance. The problem is, if you look at the amount of doubles and Coors Field, yeah. that gap in Coors Field is tremendous, and it gave him the opportunity to get those doubles. He's still been a great hitter. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But also, they didn't regulate Coors Field as much in the early days as they do now because they weren't so worried about the pitching early on. And some of those numbers are just ridiculous. And the, yeah. road to, the road to home numbers are crazy. At least with Walker, he had a lot of years before that. Yeah, no, the, the Helton played the majority of his career pre-Humidor in court. Yeah. Um, and that's a factor, and writers don't forget that. Jeff Kent, uh, I think, because he's of second because he was second base, because he was, I would say, you know, sort of like the Gehrig – uh, version to Barry Bonds, Ruth, in in San Francisco. He was the he was the yeah. sidekick, but his years were they weren't as good as Bonds because Bonds was no. chemically enhanced, but they were damn good. And Kent wasn't chemically enhanced, so unless no, but but, but there's three things with Jeff Kent, and Susan Slusher still voted for him, and she covered him, and but she explained the warts too, so she she was she was at least fair about that. By the way, Raleigh Fingers had the best mustache; nobody comes close. Anyhow. Um, here's how it works with mm -hmm. Jeff Kent. Yes, he's a jerk. So that rubs some writers the wrong way. No, he wasn't a good fielder. That's not the overriding factor. Trust me, it's not. And a lot of people felt like Bond should have won the MVP that he won. So that hurts him. That hurts his standing. And like I said yesterday, there's not a lot of second basemen. So when you put all the things in, unfortunately, when they do count second basemen, they're not counting them just for offense. They're counting them for defense, too. So when we're talking like someone like Joe Morgan, he was at the top of his game hitting and fielding. That's why he's in, because second base isn't looked upon. Again, it's looked at the same way as goaltending is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is weird, yeah. and I can't explain it. Yeah, and the, like, I don't think Andrew Jones has a chance at 33%. I don't think Sheffield has a chance. Jones may have a little bit of a chance. I do, because – of his fielding aspect, he was the best fielding center fielder. He actually, again, you look for benchmarks, he changed the way guys field. Um, the one guy who used to be with the Orioles, crap, center fielder, what was his Adam name? Jones. No, 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 played for the Yankees too. Uh, Paul Blair. Paul Blair was the first guy to play really shallow, but nobody ever played as shallow as Andrew Jones, and now everybody plays right. that way. Right, um, but and and like again, the the lowercase steroid guys, Manny Sosa, not a chance. Effield did the clear; he admitted it. Come on, guys. Yeah, now uh, your your boy Mark Burley got eleven percent. That probably yeah. means that next year he's out. Yeah, my boy, I just think I never liked Mark Burley. I just think he might be worthy because he no. he was he was one of the best pitchers of his generation. He was, yes, but yes, he was, but he's not. Uh, and and the three and the three that got eliminated, which I can't make a case for them staying, you know, Tory oh, Hunter, mm -hmm. Tory Hunter, Bobby really good player, really good, yeah, really good. Tory Hunter, Bobby Abreu, and Tim Hudson, all Definitely good players. You. you can make an argument for Hudson because he he won twenty when it wasn't easy to win twenty, and he wasn't aced. You can make an argument for Hudson more than the other guys. You can make a case for Bobby Abreu not getting in just simply because John Sterling had the had the stupidest home run call for Bobby Abreu, stupider than the Giancarlo Sepurvi uh, whatever, whatever the hell it is. It's it's the worst. It's worse than Giancarlo Stanton's call, and I want to look yeah, it up. Abreu was like. Look, Philly fans know he didn't hustle. We get that. Bobby Abreu is as sweet as candy. That's what but you know. What it was Abreu was like a numbers guy. Like it never translated on the field, but he did have numbers. He had great numbers for, but never put like his. I mean, I have to look it up. But you I, never said there. Was, can you name me two great games from Bobby Abreu that you were like, wow, like Bobby no. Abreu just was unbelievable in that no. game? No. no. All right. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, June, uh, January. I wish it was June. 
Jeez, I wish it was June. <laughs> I'm raising my hats off here. January 27, 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Frigid Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's start with some games from last night, starting with and I watched a lot, like I, I took full advantage of Game Center Live and the multi view screen on there, which is great. So you can watch more than one game. I had the Sabres on one on the TV, I had two games on the computer, and I'm full. I watched a lot of games. And then, then concentrated on the Leafs and Flames, which we'll get to later on. But uh, starting with the, uh, the Bruins and the Penguins, here is, here is the, something that encapsulates this game. I'm watching in overtime. The Penguins get a three-on-O break. Malkin, Latang, and a third player, which I don't remember. Three-on-O. Um, and they don't know what to do with the right. play. Nobody wants to shoot it. Mal, yeah, the, the third guy is sort of trailing back because he's afraid that if they don't score, it's going to go back the other way. So he's trailing behind and is not even part of the play. And Latang and Malkin are passing, passing it back and forth. And in the end... I don't even remember if they got a good shot because it was just it was I think it hit the crossbar actually. No, oh no, no, not not in that one. Not not, the that one was three and oh but then about thirty seconds later, Krejci and Craig Smith come down on a two and oh break. No problems there, Krejci to Greg Craig Smith goal. Right. And like why and like the penguins are just off there's something not they won four in a row somehow i know but they're just i i don't know every time i watch them they just don't they, you know with the talent uh you know compilation that they have they should be better uh you know i it wasn't jari last night russ i don't think he was the problem but no but a team that's not complete i'm gonna rip tony luffman from nfl nhl network because you know he he went on this thing he, he over dramatized the fact that he loves three on three and nobody loved ties. And it's like, okay, Tony, my, my retort to that is exactly what you just brought up. When these guys in three on three, the ones that are getting goals is a three on three goal as hard to get as a goal in the third period in a tie game. The answer is no. The answer is no. And honestly, in every three on three situation, you should have one shooter that when he gets the puck, he's not going to pass it. He's going to try and score. And, like, imagine if Brett Hull were in the three-on-three, three, th- on that three-on-O. Oh. The minute the puck goes to Brett Hull, he's he's going to score it. Yeah, he's a black hole. He's not passing it. No, he's not passing it. And He shouldn't, being Brett Hull. Right. But that's my point. When you have these, these situations with three-on-three, three, coaches should never put guys that are unselfish on there. You and- need a selfish guy on every single line. And I put that on Malkin. I mean, Malkin yeah. is a killer. He's a he's a three time Cup winner. He's got a breakaway. Now, I'm not saying don't use Latang as a decoy, mm-hmm. but go to the net and blow it by Rask. Yeah, I mean, you know. So I, I you know, good as Rask was playing. Well, I'm sorry. Oh no, it was Rask. Rask was playing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It was Rask. It wasn't. I don't yeah. think. I'm pretty sure Halak played the last game. So. No, no, it was Rask, and he played great. That's yeah. what I'm just backing up there. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, and and the Bruins are staying pretty competitive without Pasternak and without and Char. Coming back next on the weekend, maybe he's coming back on the weekend. So, I mean, they, they, they I, managed to get past the hump. Yeah, and 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 Martian for the playoffs. In the end, we were worried about the Bruins, but then we said, you know what? And, and we thought it was, and this this was my thinking. It's Rask's last year. He was going to be locked in. He's locked in. He also wanted to prove whatever doubters there were for last year in the bubble. So he's locked in. Marshawn has really just taken over this team. Like yeah. that goal that he scored on shorthanded was a thing of beauty. Even if you hate the guy, you have to say that was an amazing goal. And honestly, they still have enough talent that they are going to make the playoffs and they still are going to dominate some of the teams in the Metro or whatever the stupid division's name is now. Yeah, the uh, I won't even say it. I don't care. East. It's the East. Yeah, the East. To the East, my brother. Um, okay, um, okay. This game I watched a lot of, and I'm sure you did as well. The Rangers and the and the Sabers. Sabers were, you know, I, I thought the Sabers would get deflated 
with that Keandre Miller goal with a little a little under six a little over six seconds left to go in the Before first the period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a fairly even first period. Kreider and Cousins exchanged goals. Um, but Sabres, you know, they get two goals out of Til- Tobias Reeder and Jack Eichel's first of the season. And even though the Rangers pressed in the third, I was never like really thinking they they had the, it there to to tie up that game. I was never had a chance to tie yeah. that game up. You never yeah. thought for a minute they had a chance. Uh, so where do we start with that team? The third pairing is just awful. Yeah, I, I heard there was a lot of uh, Jack Johnson critique on Twitter during the game. A lot of it, because again, you can't hide them. Like the weirdest thing for me is. You had Tarmo Ryunen, who you brought over from Finland, was playing well in two of the different Finnish leagues, and you don't use him because you brought in Jack Johnson because somebody knows him. Like, it's just – it's killing your team. That's one of the things that's well, killing Whoever knows him should be fired. Well, he's not going to get fired. He actually could be the next coach. It's Jacques Martin. And, again, David Quinn – hasn't had this team right from the minute go. And when you saw the other night when they had a lead and he tried to sit on it, you don't have the kind of defense to be able to sit on it. I think he's got the wrong guys with Lafreniere. I do. I think you do need to have him with higher caliber guys. I think that there is no killer instinct right now on this team. There isn't even like Panarin going off every night kind of a situation like they they're getting the you know, Georgiev is good but yeah. Buffalo destroyed them on the boards physically and they did that against the Flyers too they've done a pretty good job of that lately Mike we have to give them credit no, they, I, I definitely am I didn't even Lazar like on the fourth line he was winning battles my com- my my complaints about the Sabres is switching to Sabres here I mean they have a top heavy lineup but they are getting more out of their depth forwards i mean guys like reader who kruger well who kruger knew uh either from team europe or from one of his previous stints so or or, or from europe but he, he knew him beforehand and brought him in it was here uh, last night yeah yeah um uh, my problem is and i and i talked about this with a with another writer when he's like he asked me like how long has skinner been on the fourth line and i said he's been on the fourth line all year right and now they're giving him second power play time. He was right. out. He had a fair amount of power play time in yesterday's game. Yeah, and and that and and, and that power play. I mean, they had they had Stall. They had Cousins playing the middle. Mark Stall got an assist just to kind of put a little dagger into the Rangers. He got an assist on one of those power plays. I mean, oh, you mean Eric Stall? Oh no, Eric Stall did right. It wasn't Mark. What am I saying? Mark, Mark's on Detroit. Yeah, no. I know, I know, I know. I heard Stall. But you can even you can even say that about about Eric because of how badly he played. Yeah, with Eric Stall looked good. He has. Yeah, but 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 they um but they had Cousins in basically in the slot on the power play, but I I, I think they're they're getting really good play out of out of Ristolainen and Jake McCabe. Ristolainen looks really good. And and uh, I think with the Carter Hutton injury and they had to go to Allmark. Allmark is playing really well. His father passed away last week. He had to take yeah. some time away from the team. He's a good he's a good young goaltender. I don't know whether he's a he's a number one, but he's definitely better than Carter Hutton. So yeah, I think I agree they, should, they should go heavily with Allmark. My what my problem my areas of concern for the Sabers are a Skinner on the fourth line, which I think is a waste, and b you saw it yesterday on the goal. Uh, the first Rangers goal, the Kreider goal. Kreider goal. The Rasmus Dahlin is struggling defensively. Um, he, he didn't struggle the whole Flyers series, but one out of the two games he did. Yeah, and on that play, you know, the, Colin Miller tries to make a pass. It goes off a skate. It goes back in the zone. Bushnevich gets it behind the net. And Dahlin doesn't know whether to go behind the net or stay in front. And he goes behind, and it goes right out to Kreider, and he scores. Yeah. This will come a time. He's a really talented young kid, but right now, you know, he's he's showing his age in terms of his inexperience. Yeah, he has to think on defense. He doesn't have to think on offense. Like that's you can tell in his play. Like he's got he good instincts. He does. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lafreniere had one good scoring chance that all Mark stopped. He's he's not really getting in the flow of the game. That's fine. I mean, 
Right now, that's the least of the Rangers' worries. They definitely missed Heedle because Heedle had been playing well. That's a problem. Right now, again, I, I think Quinn's job is on the line. I think they lose a couple more games. It's a short season, man. I I, yeah. I, I would start to think about it. Uh, then the uh, the game I spent the least amount of time with because um, really it it sort of got out of hand early and then I and then I just kept checking back on it was the Flyers and the Devils and you have I to say, the whole game yeah you have to say this where where was James Van Riemsdyk last year at least where was this James Van Riemsdyk last year because he's got five goals. He's contributing. This is what the Flyers needed from him. He's making seven million bucks that they needed goals out of him because he's never going to be. He's never going to win the Selkie. But he did. Well, he's going to get the goals against everybody. Like it just seemed like the Devils had no answer for him, right? And that's fair. He, he's playing better. There's no doubt. But if you remember, they started connecting in the middle, not Van Riemsdyk. Right. So we'll see if this continues. I mean, right now. He's got now, a little hot streak going, and him and Voracek have a little something going, and that's good. That's good now, for the team. Now, let me ask you, on the power – because he had the, the two goals he scored are on the power play. Right. Do they have him where he normally was with Toronto at the side of the net? He was at the side and also in the middle. He was okay. in both. Because he's a magician at the side of the net. He does that little inside. But he wasn't last year like we just right. pointed out. Right, so I mean, but but that's I mean that's a big that's a big benefit for the Flyers to get anything out of. And this is a guy I was I was saying they should expose the Seattle, or they should they should uh, throw a first round pick to like a team like New Jersey to take his contract off their hands because he wasn't contributing, but he's contributing now. Yeah, um, I'll no, tell you where the, the state of the Flyers is though. When you're saying that, well, aside from that turnover where the Devils, you know, had a breakaway, uh, Gus Spear had a pretty good game. Uh, doesn't Gossip Spear have to score goals or points to to be considered to have a pretty good game? Like I just, but this is where we are right now. He's getting the benefit of the doubt because their defense is, is compromised and it wasn't great that game. And even though in the end result, they only gave up three goals, they still lost the lead. They had a two nothing lead. And when the devils got it back, all of a sudden it became a game. I mean, they had the devils to the point where they weren't doing anything right. Right. And then you got those two goals, and then all of a sudden it was a game again. And these were goals that normally Elliott's not given up. So there's still a little bit of a worry here, but yeah. they can still push around, and that's what they did a little bit with the Devils is they, they did push them around. But, like, you know, I'm seeing headlines. Shane Gostaspear shine. For me, for him to shine, he has to have points. Right. But that's just me. I have, I have a different no, grade. I mean, yeah. I mean it, it – it shows it shows the um, sort of tempered expectations. This was a guy that in his rookie season and was nominated for the Calder. He was an offensive dynamo. Now he had like fourteen goals, didn't he? Yeah. Now now you basically you just want to make sure he doesn't make a mistake. And he and, did. And he, that, did. he made a bad one. And that and then and if he and if he limits it to one or two, it's acceptable. Yeah. Um, just one player I want to ask you about is Nolan Patrick. Uh, he scored his second goal of the year. Okay, hold on. Like Richard says, he's, he's bringing up Gosta Spears' CF percentage. That's great. But you don't have him there for that. Shane Gosta Spears still has to help you offensively. Imagine that they're still going to use Provorov over Gosta Spears on the, on the power play simply because his shot is accurate. Gosta Spears has a way better shot, but he can't get it on net. Think about that, Richard Petrovsky. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like a great. His Corsi four number is great. That's like okay, Jake Gardner's Corsi four number was better than Morgan Riley. So that means Jake Gardner is a better defenseman than Morgan Riley. Watch the friggin' game. It never was. Now I will agree with Richard. Robert Hag has not had a good season so no. far. He's right. Um, but Nolan Nolan Patrick is he close to being back? He's close. Yeah, I'd say he's close. He got another point. Um, I say he's pretty close. He's, you know, he's handling the rigors of a season now. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, I don't have the same feeling that I did with Pat LaFontaine on the Rangers where eventually he did go out again, remember? And it was at the hand of his own guy. But if you remember that year with the Rangers, LaFontaine started off like Pat LaFontaine and then all of a sudden he wasn't right. And, and that's in the back of my head. 
And I think it's in the back of the heads of a lot of Flyers fans, too. Yeah, I, actually, I remember that year, and I think LaFontaine did get hit again. He did, by his own guy. Right. But until that point, he was like a point a game. Until yeah. that hit, rather. Yeah. Now, uh, switching to the Capitals and the uh, and the Islanders, Capitals win 3-2 on a late Justin Schultz goal. Uh, I have to say this. Um, there hasn't been a significant drop-off with Vitek Vanacek playing goal. No. He's a good goalie. Yeah, I mean he's he's had he's had to play, um, the la- with the uh, with the Samsonov COVID situation. You know their their goaltending right now is Vanacek, and I think Craig Anderson is the backup. But they've gone exclusively to Vanacek, and Vanacek has played well. And I also think Eck and a few others. Like I traded for Justin Schultz this offseason in my fantasy league because I trust his offense. His offense is still there. He just needed a change. That's the way it goes sometimes for for offensive defensemen. But I think there was an over-dramatization of how bad the Caps could be because now we're seeing how good they they could be. And he's not going to keep this up, but the Caps are playing good hockey. Missing a lot of guys, by the way. Yeah, I mean, this is all without Ovechkin, all without Kuznetsov, all without Orloff and Samsonov. That's pretty impressive. It's very impressive, and not a lot of people are talking about it. Nor not enough people. Right. Um, Columbus and Florida. Florida wins 4-3 in a shootout. Columbus had a 2-0 lead in this game on goals from Stenland, Stenland and Texier. Uh, Florida comes back with uh, a pair of goals, and then they exchange goals. In Who the is the star, Mike? Who is the star for Florida? Um, who was it? Oh, Patrick Hornquist. Patrick Hornquist all of a sudden looked like he was Patrick Hornquist again. Yeah. Yeah. Scored, scored a big goal and then he scored a shootout goal. Well, I have to say this because I watched all. Remember, he threw his jersey in the in, in the driveway. Remember, his Penguins jersey was sitting in his driveway. I have to. I have to say this. It could that could have been the most boring shootout I've ever watched. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. I mean, it like not a lot of creativity there. It just, I mean. You know, this was undefeated. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, um, here's a game I did not watch any of, so I'll just give you the the, uh, the brief info on it. uh, 3-2 Nashville over the uh, Chicago Blackhawks in overtime. Roman Yossi scores a goal, 157 into overtime. Um, Chicago's bad. They're just really bad. I, yeah. I've, I've seen a couple of their games. Actually, the game, one of the games I saw when I thought, oh, they're bad, and it, it was a game that they beat Detroit over the head. But I, I just, you know, right now this team just doesn't have a lot, and there's not a lot to be excited about. But, you know, they they were outshot 39 to 20. Malcolm Subban made 30, 36 saves. You know, the other guy who I wanted you to bring up, with Carter Verhage because yeah. he has a couple more points. He's got five points in three games. I thought for sure in the studio, Babcock would say something about Carter Verhage. <laughs> Nothing. Well, he barely got a chance to know Carter Verhage. I know. Because Carter Verhage was traded along with four other players to the Islanders in a in a contract, contract dump for Michael Grabner. So – Bab, Bab's never really had a chance to, to, to get a chance to see. And the thing is, Verhage has turned himself into, you know, like you said, a journeyman forward. But yeah, still, I mean, this off, off, unbelievable start for him, though. Like, yeah, no, no. He, and, but he led the American – two years ago, he led the American Hockey League in scoring. Right. So, you know, the kid had a good junior career. And um, I don't think – I think the Leafs didn't give him really a fair shake in terms of a chance. Yeah. Um, and – He's made a career, and now he's you know now he's on a, a team like Florida, um, where he's getting an opportunity and he's taking advantage of it. So I'm, I'm yeah. very well, back to Chicago. They they do think. I mean, yeah. there's going to be some moments where you know their finished goalie maybe has a good game, and you know Kane scores a hat trick, and but they're not a good team. Okay, um, this game could technically technically be described as being played out west, but. Uh, it was an eight o'clock start, so 
I got a chance to see most of it. And let's just say, folks, how about them Edmonton Oilers? Because they're up three to one. And that's You're like Stephen A. Smith now with the Cowboys. You are no different. That sieve of a defense and that bad goaltending came back to bite them in the ass because they gave up three goals in three minutes and 15 seconds, I think it was. And they they lose to the uh, Winnipeg Jets six to four. Again, I don't, you know, you've got the best player in the world, Connor McDavid, and he's tied for the scoring lead in the NHL. You've got one of the best forwards in the league in Leon Dreisaitl. And with the exception of a very few other players on that team, you have surrounded them with a bunch of crap. It's like sorry, it was Koskin and Net, right? Yes. There was one play where I think he thought he gloved the puck and went in next to him. Like it was so bad. Oh my god! I mean, you know, no, God forbid that they played their backup because their backup is Stuart Skinner right now. So. Like he's like he's gonna be any worse than Miko Koskinen in the way he's playing. But I but it's not all on Koskinen. Their defense is it's awful. I, I noticed guys were scoring down low. They're camped out in the crease. It's bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like like I said, Drysaddle and McDavid are the flowers, and the rest of the team is the manure. That's no, the no, 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 no. Kelly Yamamoto is having a good game. Kelly Yamamoto, I said, with the exception of a few players, I, I yeah. like Darnell Nurse a lot. Ryan Nugent yeah. Hopkins is a player, but yeah. that team, in general, and after like it's a player seven, they're they're very very below par. And Cameron Young in the in the in the chat says. Tyson Berry looks useless. Well, now you know the Tyson Berry we saw with uh, under Babcock last year. See, but that's the thing. And they're giving up the most shots in the league. That's the thing I don't understand here. You, if you're Edmonton, you sign Ty- Tyson Berry. If you're signing him to be a power play quarterback and a bottom pairing or maybe number four at at best defenseman, where you play him with a a defensive player to protect him from his defensive liabilities, then he's a plus. You've got him playing for Dave Tippett, who we know has a defensive mindset, and he's not a defensive defenseman. His defense is rushing the puck and being creative offensively. And that's the only thing that salvaged his year with Toronto last year is that is that uh, Sheldon Keith basically said, free wheel, go at it. And yeah. Morgan Riley allowed him to be the point man on the number one power play. So it was a good signing if you let him be Tyson Berry. If you want him to be something else, he's not going to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, my answer to Funky saying that the Oilers beat the Leafs is, hey, Poirier beat McGregor. Is he going to beat him the next time? No, he's not. And I hate McGregor. But I'm yeah. just um, the Kings beat the Wild two to one. Um, I'm just looking up the box score here because again, this is a this is a later game that I didn't watch. Carl, oh, I did see this goal. Carl Grunstrom, the former Leaf prospect, scores his second of the year. I What's thought. I thought I thought Grunstrom won the Leafs trade. I mean, you have to to play. There's no question. You have to give up something to get something, and they gave up in that deal. um, Pretty good value for for Jake Muzzin and Jake Muzzin. We're going to talk about in a few minutes, but they gave up Grunstrom and they gave up a first round pick that Mm -hmm. turned out to be Bjornfoot. So the the Kings. That's a good pick, man. Good pick. The Kings got value, but I mean, the Leafs got a a defenseman that they needed, and they signed him. So it worked for both. It yeah, that, it worked for both. But uh, I'm just checking to see who got the st- – whether it was Quick or Peterson. And it was Cal, Pe- it was Cal Peterson. So yeah, Peterson's the future goalie. I mean, there's no question about it. He looks good. I've seen him a few times. I like Peterson. Uh, the Kings are like two years from the playoffs. Yep. Uh, the Dallas Stars win 2-1 to one over the Detroit Red Wings in overtime on a uh, Jason Dickinson goal. Um uh, and you know that that's good. Now I, I believe Dallas is still undefeated at three and zero now. Yep. So that long that long respite helped them. I and mean, Detroit still locking in on at least getting a top four pick. I, I hate saying that. I feel bad for Steve Eiserman. He's doing all the right things tanking wise, and it's not even guaranteed he'll get the top pick. No, but you know, as we talked about yesterday about all the uh, University of Michigan prospects. You know he's got a good chance of getting one of them in the draft, so that 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 should help. Um, the Colorado Avalanche, yeah, the Colorado Avalanche. Just Wait, did you hear what I said? I said no. if there's a draft, but you know. if there's a draft, that's right. If there's, we haven't heard anything about the draft yet. 
Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, so the Colorado Avalanche destroyed the San Jose Sharks. Um, oh. Um, oh, hold on. Breaking news. You saw that? Yep. Let me, one minute. Um, according, according, well, Act just texted me, and apparently it's out there as well. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins GM, Jim Rutherford, has resigned for personal reasons. Well, he is an older guy. So yeah. you worry about his health. I hope he's okay. I so do I. So he's I. a nice guy. Look, yeah. we've we've had our ups and downs with Rutherford. He's won cups. He's a great GM. There have been times where we said he gets killed on trades or anything, but you know what? He's a great guy to talk to. He is like an amazing guy to talk to in an interview. He's engaging. I hope he's okay. Yeah, I hope he's okay too. I but okay, I have to say that and believe me, as a member of the media. We love GMs like Jim Rutherford. Yes. He makes trades. He rolls the dice. He's, he's you know, he's a wheeler dealer. I love, dealer. I love that. Yes. That being said, the deals that he's made, I mean, you know, I mean. I mean I, it's not great. Signing Jack Johnson a couple of years ago to a five-year deal. I don't think that the deal that they made with Toronto was a good deal because the Toronto was desperate for to move cap and then clear cap space, and they yeah. got they got a first round pick and a prospect for him. There's some other deals out there that we're not, we won't go in, on, into it right now, but um, you know, you want a Stanley cup as GM in Carolina. He won two Stanley cups as GM in Pittsburgh. You can't, you know, oh, wait, Michael Cohen made a good joke. He goes, go back to Genesis. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's Mike Rutherford. Not- I know, but it's good enough. We know. Yes. yes. I enjoyed the note. I was I was I was waiting for her to go go back and cover the St. Louis Blues. No, that's Jeremy Rutherford. Right. Um, but okay. I will say, who's the assistant GM there now? I don't know. I know. I have to look it up because they used to have Jason Bottrell. Yeah, they used to have Jason Bottrell. Now he's in Seattle. They used to have, um, they used to have Bill Guerin. He's GM in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Funky says hire Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Patrick yeah. Alvin. I don't know. The... Alvin. Patrick Alvin. I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. But I mean, it's funny because that used to be like the 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 tree there in terms of the assistant GMs used to be like, oh, this guy's gonna get hired someplace, and that guy's gonna. Uh, now Vince last year was Jason Carmanos, which obviously is a relative of of former. Peter Peter Carmanos. I'm guessing. I mean, it's not that yeah. nice. The funny dynamic there is I believe that Jason Carmanos was the sort of the black sheep of the Carmanos family and had nothing to do with okay. the, Yeah, but but he got along well with Rutherford to the point that he that Rutherford hired him someplace else. So right, I'm gonna just bring up something I've heard nothing about, and I wouldn't blame him because he personally saved the franchise in my eyes. Don't you get it some the idea of some point Mario Lemieux is gonna check out and cash out his chips? It would I make that feeling. I've gotten that feeling for a couple of years now. Well, I think he would always keep a small percentage. Sure. I mean, the large majority of what he owns. Right. I mean, who was it? Ron Burkle, I think, is the Ron owner. Burkle, I'm yeah. surprised he hasn't sold it mostly. And he, maybe you know, maybe he has. You know, we don't even know. But right. You know, but I think for optics, they love. We're not seeing much of Mario anymore. No, but I think for optics, I think that they're, you know, he's going to keep some ownership just because you know he's the best player in the franchise's yeah. history. You know, but yeah, no, I mean, they're Wayne Manor that he lives in. Like, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but let's let's just let's just say you know, like like you said, we hope that it's not a health situation with Jim right. Rutherford. We hope everybody is okay. And we'll find out more uh, about that going forward. Um, Would they bring in somebody? Let's think about this for a minute. Would they bring in somebody that used to be there that is somewhere else? Well, could I mean, Bottrell's an assistant GM in Seattle. Do you think Ron Francis is going to hold him back? No. No, I don't think he would hold him back. I think that's a a possibility right there. You know, um, I mean, Ray Shiro? possible i mean yeah i mean i, I think anything is possible I think Shiro and Bottrell being guys that come back in i i can't see that yeah um couple of games uh 
the boy, this this must have been a barn burner watch. The Ducks beat the Coyotes one nothing. Uh, Gibson with a thirty one save shutout only in the league right now. Yep, and Danton Heinen gets the only goal for uh, Anaheim in the first period. So it was a score. A it was score. a nice goal. Sorry, it was a nice goal by Heinen. Like he's got some skill. Yeah. No, no, no. I is anybody I, in the chat room going to argue that John Gibson is the best goalie right now? Because I don't think he can. Well, if Ak was in the chat, he'd say Ilya Sorokin. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ak. Um, the most entertaining game of the later evening, and I once I heard the the chatter on Twitter, I had to go back and watch the overtime. Was the game between the Blues and the Golden Knights? Yeah. Uh, uh, it ended up 5-4 Blues in a shootout. It was the first game that Petrangelo faced his old, his former team. And in the overtime, gee, I wish I had a dollar for every chance that uh, Vegas had to win that game. Bennington made a number of saves. They hit a big, man. Yeah, but they hit a couple crossbars, too. I tell you what, that last save, yeah. I think he thought it was going to his glove side. But this is what I always tell you and Eck. As a goalie, you don't always know where the puck's going to go. So even though he thought it was going glove side, if you noticed, he still kept his body upright and it hit him like in the shoulder, right? It was a great save. Like, again, for all the haters of Jordan Bennington, he's back on track, man. Goalies go up and down. They do. Now, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't see the incident, but apparently there was a, a, a fight between – uh, Mark Stone and Justin Falk after Stone had hit Tyler Bozak, and nobody thinks Justin Falk is a is a fighter. Stone is you know Stone's more of a skill player, and Stone's a bigger guy. I, I was surprised how well Falk did in this in this fight. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Falk fight, and if you asked me who I thought would win that fight, I would pick Stone. Right, but it was a it was a really entertaining game, and you know these teams will face each other eight times. Okay, Richard Petrosky, seven post crossbars. It doesn't matter. He made the big save when he had to. Right. And a lot of times, by the way, the reason the players hit the post or crossbar is because the goalie isn't giving them anything to shoot at. Yeah. So, uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, all right, we got to talk about this game because that was the one I wanted to talk about. Peter Paul was the greatest combo. I agree with that. Uh, I hated him. Why did you hate Peter Falk? Did you hate well, him? I, I hated. I like Peter Falk. I hated Columbo. Okay, but you liked him in the In Laws. That was a great movie. Yeah, oh yeah, him and Adam Ar him and Alan Arkin was hilarious. Oh my god, that was tremendous. Bandanas. In the, yeah. No. Um. Okay. Boy, right when he's trying to run. Serpentine. Serpentine. That's what it was. Yeah. Serpentine. Okay. Now, uh, the Leafs and the Flames. Um. Let's get the let's let's get the incident uh, out of the way, and I have to I have to sort of take Eric Francis from Sportsnet to task a little bit because he goes on Twitter yesterday and said Jake Muzz, Jake Muzzin is a veteran and he should know better than to do this bush league move, whatever, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to ignore that Matthew Kachuk piled on Jack Campbell in the late in the regulation of the game on Sunday. Now Campbell was already hurt, so Kachuk didn't hurt him. It would it would have been on if he had hurt the goaltender, but he was he was already hurt. But still it was a it was and don't get me wrong, I love the way Matthew Kachuk plays. I love that, you know, he he's a he's a professional pain in the ass. Um but I love that. I love Shit disturbers. They're they're great. But they, now he went up against the leaf and it's gonna no, be no 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 no. But 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 no. And all I'm saying is, if you're gonna be a shit disturber like Kachuk is, you have to expect that like for Edmonton that Zach Cassian is gonna try to kill you, or that in the in, in this instance in the game on Sunday Zach Bogosian uh, ripped. Kachuk off of on top of Campbell, and there was a little bit of a scrum. And the Leafs did nothing to Kachuk during the game. But at the end of the game, after the Leafs had won, they won a faceoff. They 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 win the game four to three. 
Uh, Jake Muzzin flips the puck at Kachuk, and Kachuk goes banana hammock. He goes bonkers and goes after. Well, why do you think he did that, Mike? Well, I, I don't see. Okay, first of all, we don't we don't know what Muzzin said, and I'm assuming he was saying stuff. Muzzin said something, and I don't have a problem with it. Just like I don't have a problem with with Kachuk being a pain in the ass. That was a dumb move by Muzzin. If you have a problem with Kachuk and you're saying something, then you know what? Go over to him, give him a face wash, and have a fight at the end of the game, and know that both of you are going to get at least a one game suspension. He didn't do that. Instead, he had words with them, shoots the puck at him, and sheepishly goes off into the into the locker room. He didn't, okay. he the he didn't with this whole thing right there. First of all, he flipped the puck at him, not shot it, and he didn't go anywhere because Kachuk and him went at it. Now it wasn't a fight, but they 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 physically uh, had a physical conversation at the faceoff circle. So you know, no, no, I thought this all right because I the cut that I saw, I thought. I thought this happened, and then the game it happened. Over. It happened after the final buzzer. Oh, and was that the final buzzer, yeah, yeah. It happened after the final buzzer. After no, Muzzin, oh, Muzzin, Muzzin, flipped, Muzzin flipped the puck to him, and Kachuk went nuts and went at him, and they didn't fight, but it was basically like a scrum. Muzzin didn't go anywhere. I'm sure he was mouthing off at him, but you know, so. But this cost the Leafs next game because now. Kachuk is going to be after him. Now, Cam, I get what you're saying about getting in someone's head, but now you're going to give reason for Kachuk to headhunt one of your players. Well, no, well, that, and that's, that's the thing. You saw hey, Kachuk embarrass himself? Sure, but he doesn't care. You saw Kachuk. I mean, this is uh, he threw a hissy fit. He, he goes, threw. he steps off the ice and he throws the, I think it was sticks in the water bottle. Three stooges. He did. Yeah. So, I mean, but, you know, okay. And did, did they light a fire under Kachuk? His fire is always lit. No, no, no. But they now they gave Kachuk a reason for next game to do something, and that wasn't going to be the case. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, luckily, you know, they don't play until late. I'll, I'll give Muzzin credit, though. I thought the cut that I saw, I saw him do the flip puck, and then I saw him walking down the tunnel, and I thought that's the way it went. Oh, no, no. That's fine, but I still think it was dumb to put it – to, to flip the puck at him because you're hitting a player. How do you expect that player, especially Kachuk, to not react? Of course you're expecting him to react. So, right. I mean, it's going to cost next game. Now, getting and to – If it costs a player injury, then yeah. we'll be, we're going to rewind this and yeah. see how we feel about it then. If he takes a run at Austin Matthews and tears his ACL, then, yeah. You're, then, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if he'll do that. Um, or run his former line mate Mitch Marner into the boards. I mean, we'll you know Kachuk and, and Matthews know each other from USA Hockey. Does he have a conscience? Do we pick on somebody like if Nazem Kadri was on the Leafs, he'd go after Nazem Kadri. Now, are you going to tell me about the Wayne Simmons goal, or are you going to, or are we going to be honest and say, well, it was the save was directed right at him? And of course, he's going to be able to put that in. I mean, I wasn't going to mention Simmons goal, but I'll just say two goals, two games. And that's you know that's oh Mike that was such a gimme come on man. yeah hey he's still a minus five maybe he's a minus four now take take you know, take him when you can get him um but but you know that that was the the thing about the game last night was the Leafs got contributions from their third and fourth line which has been much needed they get a goal from Travis Boyd um and uh, but Matthews and Marner scored again Marner is tied with McDavid for the league lead with with 12 points but the concern i have is as usual the leafs were up three to one in the second period and by the middle of the third it's three three yeah this team they, you know they're winning one goal games and that's beautiful but they couldn't hold the lead if their life depended on it and it'll only it's work in the playoffs they really do have to do something um now whoever said in the chat room yes oh brian murphy Yes, the league office will be watching. Do you think Matthew Kachuk cares about that? He doesn't. No. Care about that. Uh, Ken Campbell is reporting that he's he was told that from someone close to Rutherford that the resignation is not for health reasons. Okay. Um, I will I will say this though. With Babcock in studio, oh my god, the fact that they did not get him to comment on Leaf stuff. I even tweeted, 
I think Babcock was like waiting for a Marner turnover so he could comment on that. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was very anticlimactic. It really was. He was a little better this game, though. I will say that. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a, it was a low bar, Russ, and he jumped <laughs> over it. So, um, okay. So we'll we'll. I mean, it'll be interesting over the next twenty four hours to track what um, what is happening with uh, this Rutherford situation. We didn't yeah. uh, didn't expect that. That came out of the came out of the blue. Um, but uh, we have only two games tonight. Great. Funky asked a good question, and maybe this is a design of the broadcast because I didn't see it happening when I watched. He is still being paid by the Leafs. Is he allowed to criticize them? That is a fair question to ask. No, I, I, I would. I'm sure he is. But did we hear him criticize the Leafs yesterday? I did well, not. Did they show highlights? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm a little surprised because if if there's any team that he would have an insight on, it, yeah. It would be the Leafs. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched parts of it, and I did see Babcock, and I saw the highlights after, and I didn't hear him highlight anything like that could be Leaf-related, at least when I was watching. Yeah. So um, if you have any questions in the chat, we'll finish off with a couple questions if you got it. But uh, let me just check the uh, wire here and see if there's any anything other – any other news. Yeah, the Rutherford thing is a bit of a shocker. Now yeah. – it could be because of poor performance, and he just said, "All right, you know, my time is done. It's possible." I, I see. I'd be surprised at that either. I mean, why? Why would that surprise you? Because I mean, it's it's six games, seven games into the season. You can't really draw a conclusion about how good the team is. <laughs> Alan Savage says, "Mug Milbury for GM in Pittsburgh." I I, I feel safe to say that that's not going to happen. Although there's not a lot of guys for, left for him to trade, so. Well, okay, I, I will be anxious to watch this, and I I, I know Christine Simpson from uh, um, bumping into her at the Scotiabank Arena a couple times. Very nice lady, and uh, she is doing an interview series for the Wednesday night Sportsnet games, and she's got Tortorella tonight. Oh boy! And Tortorella basically on the benching of Pierre Luc Dubois says, "I do it again." Have, have have Luke and I had conflict? Goddamn right we've had conflict. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> you should have turned down this interview. There is nothing for the Blue Jackets to gain from this interview other than Torch shooting his mouth off. Honestly. Yeah. There's nothing to gain from this. But Torch, you know, this is the thing. Torch is in the final year of his contract. I know. So if they decide, you know, he, and he's had success there. Through a lot of challenges with with a, with a team that doesn't spend a lot of money, yeah, nobody said he's a bad coach. He's a good coach. He, you know, they don't bring him back. He's getting another NHL job because he's a good coach. He's he a will. he's a he's a pain to the media sometimes. He's a pain. All I'm saying is, how does this help their season? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And how does this help get them signed? Patrick get Patrick Line signed in Columbus. I don't think it does. You know, Funky's like Torts and, and, and a Brooksy podcast who's not watching. You couldn't get them to be on the same phone line. They would have to be in an in, enclosed in plastic 500 miles away they from each other. They don't want to see each other. They're like two fighting fish. You know, the Siamese fighting fish, you know how they can't look at each other? or they're, It's the same thing. Um, but we so have two in separate bowls. We have two games tonight. At least the male. And – Boy, we have a couple barn burners: Chicago, Nashville, and Ottawa, Vancouver. So you know, get, sounds like a good night to play Stratomatic. Like, I know, like get your popcorn ready for those two. <laughs> I gotta tell you, right now in Stratomatic, George oh. Brett is on the trading block. Wow! I made I made an offer: Ferguson Jenkins and George Brett for Robin Yount, and I'm Thank playing the guy. And I'm playing the guy who owns Robin Yount, and if he has a bad game, he's going to make that trade. I, I would do that deal in a second. Robin for me or for him? For you. Yeah. Robin Yount. Okay, Richard, thank you for mentioning this because I could posted this or, earlier. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it came out yesterday. I think it was Renault Lavoie of TVA that reported that the uh, the St. Louis Blues are shopping Vince Dunn, which took me a little bit aback because they got him on a – 
rather good bridge deal, but is this like another like Dubois bridge deal where he basically signed it to get traded? Um, that you know he didn't want to hold out. So now Dunn is it was a one year deal, one point eight seven five million. Um, we know Russ from seeing him in the Cup final a couple years ago. This is good defenseman. He's yeah, got to play. He's got offensive skills. I think maybe his defensive uh, his defense is okay. It's not perfect, and he has a little bit of a physical edge at times. Right, a little so, bit. So it's surprising after losing Petrangelo in free agency that Doug Armstrong is willing to move on from Dunn unless he thinks he can get another defenseman in return. I'm just looking up what they All right, but like Jake's like you know Dunn's a Philly for Ghost. You can't bring in Dunn. It's not what they need. They need a strong defender. They right. don't need another guy like Gustafson. They, they, they could use a Scandella or a Gunnarsson or something like that, not, not Dunn. Even Ben Hutton. I would bring in Ben Hutton. He's not playing. Go get right. him. Right. He's he's in, he's basically insurance. So so yesterday, the Blues in the 5-4 victory over Vegas played Gunnarsson, Scandella, Krug, Pareko, Falk, and Nico Mikola. Right. They have on an entry level contract. So, and they also have Wallman and they also have Perunovic. Yeah, I'll tell you what I would do. If I if I were the Rangers, I would give them um Jack Johnson. <laughs> they don't want Jack Johnson. Uh I would give them I don't know. Let me think about that. You know. Do they really want a defenseman back for him? Is that a definite? No, 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 no. no. I don't. I'm just saying. I'm. I'm just saying. They. They. they you know. They. If, if they. If they were, Gostaspir wouldn't be a good fit. I don't think they want him because they're seven, eight deep on defense. I would. I would give him. Give me. I would go Kratzoff for Dunn and a second. Okay. The thing. The thing is. The thing is, though. Have, I mean, he he might play great with Tarasenko in a couple of years. You look. You look at the teams that right now we think are desperate for defense because of injury, and Vince Dunn is not the type of defense defenseman that they're looking for because he's a more of an offensive guy. Vancouver, Philadelphia. Well, but the know, Rangers could use him. Rangers to Jack Johnson out for anybody right. is an upgrade. Sure. But and that's what this would do. Then then Jack Johnson would be in the press box, and that's a plus. Yeah. But it's a little surprising based on, you know, what is he, 23, 24 years old? I think 23. Yeah, I mean, that it's gotten to this point, but we'll we'll track this over the next few days and see if this is a front burner issue or if this is something that's going to take a little longer for Armstrong to uh, – and Funky says trade Vince Dunn. To, the Leafs don't need Vince Dunn. No, I mean they could bring up Sandine. I mean they've got Sand, they've got Sandine, and, and one one interesting one interesting little note, and then we'll end the show. So yesterday, Miko Lettinen, their KHL prospect, or he's not a prospect; he's twenty seven years old. But they bring him over the, from the KHL. They played him. I think it was his third game, and they actually gave him significant ice time. He played like thirteen minutes in the first two periods. In the third period, they're up one goal, and Sheldon Keefe goes with 5D and plays him one shift in the third period. Awful. So, and and he admitted after after the game, you know, if we had had a training camp and we had preseason, I'd my level my com uh, level of comfort would be higher, but since we didn't right now, basically he's admitting he doesn't trust the guy yet to put him out there in a one goal situation. If they're up by two or three goals then fine. But and I'm like, "Okay, the only way you're going to find out is by playing him." Instead of playing Zach Bogosian 17. Here, here's my deal with letting it. If you're not getting points out of him, what do you why did you bring him? Why did you get him? He, right. He's, he's a defenseman. Yeah. He's a power play quarterback. Now they're not going to use him on the number one power play. No, but play. I mean, work him in. Yeah. They they gotta give gotta give him more of an opportunity. Play and then, strengths. And this is this this I is the thing that, do this. Ah. Yeah, and this is the thing that that the Leafs and other teams that are sort of mining Russia and the European leagues for cheap talent. They won't come to you if you don't give them a chance. Right. 
Alexander Barabanov has been a fourth-line guy. Now, Miko Lettinen, they played eight games. He's played three of them. They're, they're flipping him in and out between him and Travis Dermott. Play him for five or six games. Yes. So you, you know, by the way, Randy Workman's like, hey, Russ, bring, can you bring me the cup, please, to Calgary? Thank you for his service. Um, Johnny Goudreau and, and Jacob Markstrom might just do that. All of a sudden, nobody's complaining about Goudreau, right? Nobody's overlooking and saying he's done, right? All he of a sudden, Johnny Goudreau could skate and score again, right? He had a good he had a good night last night with two goals, and I, I the, the guy I was impressed with yesterday, they moved Rasmus Anderson to the top pairing with, with Giordano, and that was a really good pairing. Yeah, so, good. yeah, so I mean, they knew that they had somebody who they had signed for less uh, than Brody would have cost, and moved him into Brody's spot, and that's worked for them. Um, but yeah, you know. David, David Jejna, uh, sorry if I don't know how to pronounce your last Jejna, name. Jejna, yeah. Has been impressed with Justin Hall. Like I've been impressed at his level of passing, his accuracy on a, like a long pass. That's impressed me. I didn't think he had that at him. He's a big guy. He's a right-hand shot. He's cheap. Um, he's paired well with Muzzin and all those things are why I believe he's going to end up being the guy that Seattle claims in the expansion draft. Unless because he's cheap, just like he likes a cheap pair of glasses. But no, and, and, I can't have to say that next, <laughs> next in, in, in the expansion draft, the Leafs are going to protect Riley Muzzin and Brody. So either one of Dermott or Hall will get claimed unless they say we'll give you a second round pick not to take Hall or whatever, do you know, do something like that. So yeah. hopefully that's not the case, but I think that's where it's going. But anyway, all right, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.